it is frustrating. Yeah. yeah. And again, you know, we can talk about a podcast, but it just amazes me how, you know, and, and the word expert gets thrown out here and in, in this whole oh, God. group. Yeah. And I'm like, who is an expert? If I you guys are an expert, you <laughs> shut up, dude. I'm an expert on experts. They don't exist. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, right. So anyway. I like to tell people that I am an expert on this investigation. Sure. Because I, I, I definitely am. But like, yeah, you can't be an expert on, on something that is, isn't even close to understood. I mean, we don't even have the, the, the merest inkling of, of what we're dealing with. Yeah. It's all speculation. Yeah. And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. Weird animal-like creature that was shot. Wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome everybody to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Josh. And we have a actually a, a guest host set in tonight on the show. Uh, welcome, Tobias. Hey, thanks for having me here, guys. Thanks for being here. Yeah, and I guess we can start from there because, you know, we've had you on before, you and your lovely wife, Emily. Um, but uh, if you just kind of want to give the audience some rundown on your side, uh, you know, again, like we said off the podcast, awesome to have you on. Um, but, you know, I tell people really who you are and why you're here. And thank you for joining us, man. Sure. So uh, I am the head writer and editor and lead investigator for the Singular Fortean Society. And my wife, Emily, and I started that back in the spring of 2016. And what we do is a mixture of paranormal journalism, investigation, and community building. Uh, and so sort of what that looks like, if you go to our website, you'll see news stories, you'll see feature articles, you'll see uh, interviews, um, you'll see a, a, a paranormal art portal. And so really what we were trying to do when we formed the, the Singular Fortean Society was inform people, uh, try to gain a deeper understanding of paranormal phenomena, of course, uh, but also to build a community and, and create a, a space where people with these experiences uh, can, can come without any fear of, of judgment or, or um, you know, any of the, the social stigma that I think people associate with, with stuff like this. Well, first of all, I, I think just saying that it's a community, number one, is awesome. You know, and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording uh, of just some kind, how sometimes it's so compartmentalized and, and everybody has, I guess there's something to do. What you guys do, really bringing it all together, and I've seen it, I, and I'm a member, and I love what you offer, and I, I just think it's fantastic. So first of all, thanks for kind of getting everybody on the same page because I feel that's that's sorely lacking in this category you know yeah definitely i mean that's and i mean honestly first of all thank you so much um but beyond that yeah you're you're, you're absolutely right um it's funny that you 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 know use that word uh compartmentalize too i i literally said that to somebody today i i, I was responding to you know one of my friend's tweets or something and 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 yeah i was there's too much like literally too much uh, compartmentalization in the, the, the paranormal. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's maddening, um, to the point where, you know, you've got ghost hunters, um, you know, who will make fun of people who see UFOs and vice versa. And, uh, and, and, and that's just utter nonsense, frankly. I mean, anybody I think who is, who has studied these subjects for, for any 
amount of time and that sort of holistic perspective um, is, well, we, we all see that they have much more in common than, than, than they have uh, different, of course. Yeah, I kind of think it's a little arrogant to think that all of these different aspects of the paranormal world, that that's solely by itself. Yeah. Like, and it has nothing to do with any of the right. other right. subjects. Or Nobody else anything. can play in the same sandbox. We're over here. You guys are over here. It's so like anything else. It's like labeling in general because we're all human beings. And no offense, but sometimes we're pretty ignorant in our own right. It, it's the same thing, whether it's your own religion, whether it's your own belief system. Everybody has to have theirs is better. There's a, it's just you would think that because of this weirdness that we're all into, that we all enjoy being part of, that that kind of would fade away and we would kind of come closer together. And I, I just, I don't know. It, it doesn't for some reason. It's just weird. Well, thankfully, we have the singular 14 society for that. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, uh, real quick. So I'm actually going to promote your book. And some of, actually, I'd say probably at least half listeners of this uh, episode is going to be off Tobias Whalen's book, uh, The Lake Michigan Mothman, High Strangeness in the Midwest. First of all, um, and I'm, you know, I'm not just, I'm not just, you know, sucking up to you because you happen to be our guest host, but I'm going to tell you it was a fun read. It was actually fantastic. We all three of us read it. Um, and I got to say the reportings, that are on there just i i personally didn't even have a clue yeah i didn't i you know i was aware of the the john well Keogh i mean you know man I, and, sorry go ahead oh no i i i was i was just gonna say i mean well first of all and i'll uh, stop me if if i say this too often thank you so much um <laughs> because i mean it, it really is great to hear honestly and uh and uh, yeah, anyway, I, I feel like I cut you off. So why don't you continue and then I'll well, I'll jump back in. I was just saying, yeah, um, we talked about this a little off of air, but uh, how I was I was aware of Keel and Point Pleasant and the 66, 67 sightings of Mothman. And I really honestly wasn't aware of how prevalent the sightings were in the greater Chicago area. It kind of blew me away. You know, I, you, know you hear... Little reports here and there, all across scattered, you know, flying cryptids or whatever. But it, I, it blew me away how many reports were coming out of just that area alone. And over the span of time as well, like I, I'd heard a little bit about it, but didn't realize that it had been going on for years. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, crazy. I mean, way back, what, 2012? Was that one of the earliest? I mean, well, there was ones before that. Early 2000s. Yeah. I mean. 80s even, 80s and 90s. Yeah, right. I feel like 80s, 90s. Yeah. But, so thank you for bringing that to our attention. Oh yeah, I mean, well, it's 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 been uh, prolific, I think, to to say the least, as far as these sightings are concerned. You know, when I when I started investigating these back in 2017, I mean, obviously, I had no idea where this was all going to go. But at at this point, you know, we've got over a hundred sighting reports from all around Lake Michigan, uh, dating back all the way to 1969 actually is the, the earliest one, um, which is only, you know, two years. And, uh, and this particular sighting was less than 400 miles away from, uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia and, and, uh, the, uh, ostensible ending of, of that sighting flat back in 1967. Yeah. And it kind of seems like they're, people from all walks of life are having these sightings as well from police officers, county officials, college students, um, mm-hmm. you name it. 
So it's not kind of like just revealing itself to one certain group or something like that, you know? I feel like it lends a little more credence to the overall sightings. Yeah, I I would I would agree, you know. Um that's something that I I do my best to try to convey to our readers the the um the the sort of like vast uh uh, uh demographic, you know, that, that, uh, are these you know, flying humanoid witnesses? Um, because I, there's, there's a, a, a certain level of, of privacy that, that people want, you know, of course, but also in, in order to really convey to people what we're dealing with and who's seeing it and why that's so very important, I have to be able to try to give people as much information as possible while still protecting, you know, uh, a, a witness's anonymity if, if, if that's what they want. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I, I have worked very, very hard to, to convey to people is exactly what you're talking about. I mean, like literally we have had, uh, police officers, um, I mean, local politicians, uh, professionals and, you know, and working class people and college students and, and, and really just the entire, uh, uh, breadth of, of Midwestern society is, is represented in, in these sightings. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's gotta be interesting, you know, um, it's it like you said. I, I I think it does lend a certain amount of of credence because we're not talking about one cultural perspective. We're not talking about one uh, specific belief system represented. You know, like these are are so many wildly different people seeing this that for the most part, honestly, the only thing they really have in common are these sightings. Yeah. Yeah. Um. How did you get involved in investigating this in the first place? You said back in 2017. Yeah, I was going to ask what made you pick this out of all the, I mean, obviously this is kind of your stomping grounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we just live up in Madison, Wisconsin. So, you know, we're about two hours north of Chicago. And so back in, in 2017, I saw these three sightings come through the uh, mutual UFO case management system and they were all of yeah, these large flying creatures i boy, if if memory serves i think only maybe one of them even described it as being humanoid um and uh, and it was interesting and they were they were in chicago which is is nearby and so i was like well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna cover this story for our our uh uh website, you know, because that's part of what we do. And I, I, I write the, the, the news for a paranormal audience. And so I started uh, covering the story and there wasn't a whole lot to it. There wasn't a lot of, of information available. I mean, MUFON's pretty notoriously tight-lipped when it comes to the result of their investigations. Uh, but even beyond that, I came to find out later, they really just didn't have a lot of, of follow-up on these. And so Probably if those had been the only three sightings, I mean, it, it would have ended up in my shrug file or something. And mm -hmm. I just, I would have just went on with my life, but it wasn't too long after those three sightings that I noticed more sightings coming out. And, uh, and, and now they were coming into phantoms and monsters and they were coming into UFO clearinghouse. And so 
Uh, it would have been June of 2017. Now, these started in April of 2017. And then in, in June of that year, with all of these sightings still rolling in, I was like, well, you know, I wouldn't be a very good journalist here if I wasn't talking to the people receiving these reports to see what I can try to find out. And so I I contacted Manuel uh, Navarrete over at UFO Clearinghouse, and I interviewed him. And I contacted Lon Strickler over at Phantoms and Monsters, interviewed him. They were both really, really great, very forthcoming, very forthright, uh, very willing to, to to talk about everything they they could. Um, because, you know, you have to remember at that time, we didn't even know each other. And, of course, they take protecting witness privacy very seriously, as do I. And so it wasn't too long after that that, uh, you know, I was more formally introduced to them and, uh, and they asked me, uh, you know, if I, I, if I wanted to, to help investigate these sightings, you know, I had, 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 uh, experience in investigation and, and it's something that I was still doing through the, the singular 40 and society. And so I agreed, of course. And, uh, and I, I, uh, I started looking into them, you know, uh, from a, a, a insider perspective. And then it wasn't too long after that when we started receiving our own sightings. Uh, you know, people were contacting us and and telling us uh, uh, about things they had seen. And so um, the rest is history, I guess. You know, now 2020, here I am. Since publishing the book, have you continued to get uh, reports of sightings around that area. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Just, and I, it's, it's, it's one of those things where as I was writing the book, because I, I don't know that we'll ever see an ending, you know, to this phenomenon. So like, as I'm writing this book, I'm just like, man, like these sightings aren't going to stop. I'm, I'm like the, the book is going to go through like mid 2019. And, uh, and, and I hope people don't, see an influx of sightings right afterwards and, and start asking me if those are in the book. So I have to be like, you know, like this book had to end somewhere. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Come so, on, Tobias. Why didn't you keep this up? <laughs> Jesus gone. I know. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, ab- absolutely. Um, we've, we've received sightings since then. Uh, see, I actually have my timeline in front of me here. So let's see, I went through what, like mid 2019. So, yeah, we started receiving uh, more recent sightings after I had published this book. Uh, really, well, yeah, they, they started up again around September of 2019. And then, you know, we've received, what, maybe another 10 sightings since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, those all, interestingly enough, have been centered around uh, the O'Hare International Airport. Yeah, that's and weird. So, like, that's that's just outside of Chicago. There. Yeah. Um, for the listeners, could you describe just some of the more common things that are being reported in these sightings? I feel like we keep talking about it, but we're not. We haven't really got into what these people are actually reporting seeing. Right. Sure. So you know, there are two common profiles that have developed uh, in my you know, personal view, uh, since this case started. So on the one hand, you've got, uh, daytime sightings of something big 
flying, uh, often far away, often, you know, backlit by the, the, the sun. Um, people in those sightings don't generally report uh, the, uh, a, a feeling of, of fear or terror. Um, you know, like they, they are often in awe, but it's not really the same thing. Um, and, and most of those sightings don't involve people getting a real fantastic look at this thing. It's like I said, it's usually flying. It's usually pretty far away. Um, and then the, the, the other profile is, uh, what I find personally more, uh, interesting, which are the nighttime sightings, uh, where people do often, uh, report, a feeling of, of abject terror, uh, those sightings are often also um, much closer up and people will will see this thing on on the the, the ground, sometimes standing there and, and, and then taking off. And what those people describe is generally a uh, seven to, to nine foot tall uh, winged humanoid, uh, often with, with glowing red eyes. Sometimes that color varies by uh, witness. Um, they usually use descriptors like bat-like or bird-like, although feathers are, are never actually reported. Um, I, I just think those are probably two of the, the easiest ways for people to try to contextualize their, their, their sightings. Um, so, you know, I mean, anything with, with wings is going to be bat-like or bird-like, I guess. I mean, what else has wings? Uh, yeah. uh, insects. Uh, which um, that comparison is made in a, a very, very small minority of sightings. Um, but yeah, like that's that's basically it. I mean, to, to, to go in, into more detail, it would be easier to talk about specific sightings. But mm -hmm. but those are generally the, the, the two different types of, of sightings. Okay, so, um, and yeah, and I think you're right, too, when you talk about what people, they're trying to describe what they can see as much as they can see. I mean, they're trying to, I guess, make, it real, you know, so they're going to, they're going to match it to whatever they see around them, where they say feathers, whatever have you. I think that's some of that too. Um, and I think, you know, creatures, and one of the stories that we're going to cover about, which, you know, one of the reasons we had you on is because we want your insight on these things is, uh, like bat squatch, for example, which is dumb as it <laughs> sounds, <laughs> it evidently is a thing. And, you know, is it similar to what Mothman may be, or is it its own, own thing over here in this corner? You know, it's one of those things, reading the reports, you never know. Um, yeah, so we're going to kind of go, so if you don't mind, um, we want to kind of climb in your brain a little bit and get ideas of just the wraparound of cryptids in general. Yeah. Again, for the listeners, we're talking about mainly flying cryptids in history. It does amaze me how much it's been in history, but you know, as we kind of go through this, Tobias, you know, obviously, you know, this book, you've done a lot of research and study, but y you've got some background on just what these things may be and, and obviously some history and and I think that's just us here along with you. We're just curious on, on what that looks like and a buildup to, you know, and then of course you loop in, you know, the Mothman prophecies and what Keel wrote about. That's something, that's something there too. So, um, is that cool? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, so let's go ahead. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we got Tobias Weiland on. And again, we're going to go ahead and cover some of the history of what flying cryptids may be some of the belief systems and we got some stories and again, you know, we, we just want your input on this because, uh, this whole thing fascinates me to be honest with you. You and me both. Awesome. So, uh, stand by for a break. We'll be right back. 
Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. So we here at Strange Uncles try and cover any topic under the high strangest realm. And you, Tobias, of course, sitting in on this one. Um, we are talking about the wonderful world of cryptids, I suppose. Uh, and, you know, some of the questions we'll have for you is just, you know, how really what made you pick this subject? And, and we'll kind of get into it. Um, I know as of recent, I mean, we have news of Bigfoot, which happened, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago in Washington? You know, that was just a cardboard sign on the side. Well, the, yeah, exactly, but there's still it's still news. <laughs> um, and that well, they also had another uh, another sighting in Ohio, which is kind of not really your stretch of the woods, Tobias. But I don't know if you caught that. I think that was what a week and a half ago. Was it the uh, the the grass man that looked suspiciously just like a, a guy wearing a bulky winter jacket? <laughs> yeah, it absolutely was. That's, and that's okay. probably what it was. Sounds like my dad. I covered that, yeah. <laughs> well, it amazed me. And again, you know, it's in the news because <laughs> technically it's Bigfoot, even though, you know, this is where we're at. And I know that somebody snapped a picture of Loch Ness Monster for the first time in 2020, which I've seen that too. And I'm like, eh, okay, all right, you got a picture of... A log. I, I don't know really what it is. I haven't but seen that one. Yeah, that's something new out the book. So, you know, we talk about these cryptid, this whole cryptid category in general that everybody's fascinated with. Um, you know, we have you on because of your great book, which is fantastic. Again, uh, Lake Michigan Mothman, Strangers in the Midwest. Uh, also, and I don't know if you've read it, Tobias. I, I don't think I've asked you, but um, the book by Barton M. Nunnally, The Inhumanoids. That actually, it's it's on my reading list, and people keep telling me about it, and it sounds fantastic, and I'm so embarrassed because oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I called yeah, you out. <laughs> no, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I I know about this book, and I really need to 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 dig into it. I just haven't yet. I know the feeling. I mean, I have my reading list is a page long. Oh, we never stop so. reading. It's <laughs> insane. Yeah, it's yeah right. Yeah. Well, like that's that's the real irony of this business is I'm I'm often so busy doing this that I I don't have as much time as as I would like to dig into stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, we well and that's the thing too here, you know, we if we're not reading a book on research, I would love to actually start reading a book just to for the fun of reading the book. It's been like 2 months just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Just for fun. It's crazy. It, it does help when the book's good though. It does. Yeah, exactly. Your read was really well. It was good. It was a, a well laid out one. But um, that's another one. You know, put that if that's on your list somewhere, bump it up. You know, that's a good one. Again, oh, yeah. that's in humanoids. Um, I can't remember what year that was, but that's Barton M. Nunnally. Uh, we there's documentaries out there like Terror in the Skies, for example, um, that not only talk about Mothman, but uh, Thunderbirds and other things, pterodactyls that people see in the sky and all these other things. So, you know, we realize, I realize, you know, we did this research um, after reading your book and after going back into this that, you know, this has been around forever, even back in the biblical days it's happened. Um, and it really just kind of, you know, it's funny how everything kind of wraps around. So if you don't mind, Tobias, we're going to go ahead and tell some stories and um, a little bit of history on where maybe some of these flying cryptids came from, where they kind of fit into the human psyche. 
and then we, you know, we can go from there. We'll just kind of banter back and forth if that's cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Outstanding. All right, we're going to do a quick intro to Flying Cryptids, everybody. Open the gates. Examining the files of cryptozoology, researchers interested in legendary and extinct species find that the Earth would seem to be a strange world. Giant birds flying straight out of native legend. Have the biggest red eyes. There's a six-foot bird and massive wings. And I asked her how big the wingspan was. She said about 10 to 12 feet. Is Point Pleasant haunted? Yes, very much. In the news today, yet another sighting of the infamous Chicago Mothman. The Tribune is covering this latest, what they're calling, flap of sightings of this giant winged demonic thing people are seeing right here in downtown Chicago. In 1948, near the town of Chehalis, Washington, which I used to live by, by the way, a one Bernice Sikowski looked up in the sky to see what she described as a man figure with a pair of silver wings strapped to his back, hover and make whizzing sounds as he seemed to remain motionless about 200 feet above her barn. It looked as if he was working on some kind of mechanical controls while he tried to remain somewhat still. Several school children joined in to witness the same thing, and this would not be the last nor the first time something like this would be seen in the skies. Not exactly described as a man, a beast with wings, as other descriptions throughout uh, history would appear to be of, but there are plenty of sightings that have been reported more along the lines of a human in a wingsuit scooting through the air versus a mothman type thing, which we you know covered in the beginning and will continue to cover. Uh, these so-called mechanical men sightings were, would occur in 1880 in Kentucky, 1905 in Italy, and 1915 in Portugal where it is said a semi-transparent entity that looked like a person wearing a sheet was gliding through the sky. We mentioned these sightings just as a reference, uh, and, you know, again, Tobias, pipe in wherever you need to, but we kind of want to separate describing what we talked earlier about what people describe as a human being flying versus what maybe there's something else there, that maybe it's not a human being. Maybe there's something else going on. And this actually has happened for thousands of years, so... You know, with that being said, I don't know if any any of us here, anyone want to chop in on as far as how long these reportings have been going on in history. Was that a question? That was a question. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say thousands of years, but zero years, Bob. <laughs> Behind door three, Bob. Um, I don't know. Tell it. You tell us, Shane. Uh, so, actually, thousands of years ago, um, in what is now Iran, carvings were done that depicted inhumanoid entities with wings. There was an actual name for these so-called birdmen, which was Anunnaki. It was said that these were advanced race of supermen, which would wear beards and tall helmets, which I find hard to fly in, personally, but maybe that's just me. That's just you. I don't know. Yeah. Even before that, the Sumerians would worship images and sightings called Yutuku, which were said to be reptilian-like winged monsters. The Mayans even recognized a winged demon with the head of a dog called Zots, while the Hindus believed in a deity that had the body and legs of a man, but wings, a beak, and talons like a giant vulture, which they called Garuda. Uh, other notables are the winged sphinx and even harpies from the Greek mythos. Um, so history is chock full of these things. And again, you know, I don't know as far as how much history, but obviously we've seen these things for 
a while. We've worshipped these things. I mean, there's uh, depictions, writings on caves. There's tablets that they found, which I don't know. Personally, I find that. I mean, I understand about the human psyche and their, you know, superstition. We're trying to make sense of what's around us, right? We don't really. Yeah, or maybe they really saw that shit. That's the other side of it. Well, I think there's a, a, a fantastic amount of, of variation in those descriptions. And so I guess my, what, what, what I would caution would be, uh, um, ignoring all of that variation in, in, in favor of, of some sort of unifying theory. So, uh, certainly they all could be related in, in some way, but, um, it, it, it seems like one of the, well, really the, the, the only thing most of them seem to truly have in common is, is, is some sort of flight, you know, element in, right, in right. their right. mythology. So it's, it's really difficult to say, uh, as, as far as, uh, as, as what they could have in common outside of, um, you know, the, the, the need to, uh, mythologize, the, the 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 need to try to explain the the natural uh, world as our ancestors did through the um, the invention of, of of different stories. So um, I don't know. I, I think it's a, a a really really interesting you know fact. And 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 certainly. And I don't want to downplay it too much. And I'm I'm sorry if that's what it sounds like. What I'm doing, um, because I I do think that it's it's very very interesting uh, in at least so far as it speaks to a, a constant human interest, uh, obsession almost really with, uh, with, with, you know, flight and, and with, you know, humanoids flying for some, excuse me, for, for some reason. So I don't know. It's definitely weird. It's cool in a Fordian way. That's for sure. Yeah. And you know, that's something to be said too. You know, when you talk about flight, I mean, if you think about it, you know, again, human beings, we're trying to find our own feet. We're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to make sense out of lightning or thunder, whatever have you. You know, the reality is a lot of what we probably didn't understand was what happened above us, right? So all these things, we see stars in the sky, the wind blows, the lightning happens. Um, why wouldn't we kind of maybe depict that with flight? you know, closer to whatever the weird thing is that we can't explain what it, what's going on. Yeah, I think I think that happens with a lot of people even in modern day sightings is people say they see a bird-like thing, but they don't necessarily describe feathers, but they say it's a bird-like thing because that's kind of their world worldview and that's the only way they can describe what they saw and it might right. not necessarily be a bird. That's why you don't hear about feathers or something, but like you said, Tobias, it's, you know, what else flies you know a bird yeah. yeah you're you're putting the you're putting the conjectures together like you know, this makes sense to me because this is what i have i mean this is a thing so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to describe it as a thing instead of something that doesn't exist which yeah. would you know obviously that's another another thing altogether so we right. uh we covered episodes of magic uh, so i apologize to bias actually so my mind automatically goes to well, wait a minute. You know, if it doesn't have a name, it doesn't exist, and you know, all the, <laughs> it was actually a two-parter. So some of this kind of <laughs> plays into that, but it just fascinates me absolutely. So, but uh, you know, if we jump into the time, so we go a little bit forward to that. Uh, 1746. Lord General Murray reportedly saw a terrifying humanoid creature in the air just before the Battle of Culloden. 
He said it was black with eyes that burn like fire and huge leathery wings. It was nicknamed the Scree for the sound that it made. Uh, this sighting may have led to the belief that these creatures are seen just before something happens, like a battle of fire or even a bridge collapse, which we saw in 1967 with the Mothman sightings, which we'll, uh, we'll discuss with John Keel involved, obviously. Uh, in 1868, for over two weeks, over two dozen people reported to have seen a large winged man circling two landmarks near Mount Sterling, Kentucky. Through the years of 1938 to 1939, residents claimed to see a winged human-like figure in the skies above Ashland, Kentucky. And to add some reference to that, which I, I found this was interesting, um, and this is your stomping ground, so you might know a little bit better, Tobias. Uh, Point Pleasant, where the Mothman sightings of 67 occurred, is roughly around 60 miles from Ashland, Kentucky, from what I read. Is that, does that sound right? I mean, I don't, I don't know how much you know about that area that you're in, but. Oh, Ashland. Wow. That's pretty far away from, uh, where, where yeah, we K live. Kentucky uh, isn't close to, well, Wisconsin. we're in Utah, so we're a little <laughs> further away, but. Right. I guess, you know, you know I mean, that's, Hey, you know, honestly, fair enough. Like when, when I consider pretty much anything West of the Mississippi, I'm like, that's basically like just one big state over there. Right. Like it's fine. <laughs> exactly. You're not alone in that. <laughs> it's all California. <laughs> Yeah, if if I can yeah, drive right. to it in eight hours, it's it's in my stomach grounds as far as I figure. So anyway, um, um, it seems there have been. Yeah, I mean, it's, oh, go sounds ahead. about right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, for some reason, it's weird because Kentucky seems to have a lot of these sightings uh, in the bluegrass state, and I, I don't know, just from history and the reports we read, uh, it just kind of I don't know. I don't know why that's the case, but it seems like it is. Uh, there were other sightings of bat-like wing creatures seen throughout the world in this time frame. Um, other little tiny notables, and we'll just throw them out there because we don't want to focus on just the United States necessarily. Uh, we had the bizarre vampire bird saw in Portugal, 1915 to 1917. Um, the bat monster of West Drayton Church, 1922. And there was even a hunter in Nebraska coming back to our country, uh, name of William S. Lamb, who in the same year of 1922 claimed to have heard a high-pitched sound above him and looked up to see, in quote, a magnificent flying creature, uh, which descended and landed just like an airplane, and then watched it walk across the snow and take off in the same way. The mental picture that paints for me is just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, because I don't understand it either. There's other things. So this is kind of where we start getting into, I, I guess, a harbinger of doom, something that, you know, the Mothman was, people try to put it together with, yeah. you know, if there's some I horrible mean, accident. I guess people. I think people just try and try and blame something off of something bad happening. I agreed. You know, agreed. I, I don't think the Silver Bridge was constructed very well, and I think it's just kind of a coincidence because, I mean, these sightings apparently have been going on. You know, at the earliest you said sixty nine, but pretty prevalent in the two thousands, at least. And I mean, it's Chicago, so it, it seems like. Bad There's stuff. literally bad, a disaster bad. there every single day. Yeah, That's right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, bad <laughs> stuff happens there all the time. Is it because there's a bunch of Mothman sightings? Yes, I the don't Mothman think is so. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, may, maybe right. there's nothing better to do. Maybe the, maybe we've cracked the case actually. <laughs> no, I, I I I tend to to disregard the uh, uh, harbinger of disaster angle. Uh, I, I I think that if there's one thing that humans love more than anything else. It is a neat, tidy narrative. Thank they you. want their stories to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. They want them to make sense. 
and and they you know they 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 need to have context to make sense of things and so you know you've got the this flap of of sightings in in point pleasant and you know nobody really understands what's, what's going on a lot of people are scared um and then you have this 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 terrible tragedy in the the silver bridge collapse and as 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 sad as that is suddenly it's providing meaning and 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 that meaning is it 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 goes both ways so the the collapse of the silver bridge can can help people get some meaning out of the 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 mothman sightings but maybe more importantly the mothman sightings in that area were giving people some kind of meaning behind this otherwise awful senseless tragedy um and yeah it's it seems like a real big coincidence to me like if you know if you read john keel uh he didn't predict any any bridge collapse uh he said that you know he had been receiving these uh, uh weird messages and and, uh, and and there had been some sort of disaster predicted. He thought that was going to be a widespread blackout along the, the East Coast. And so he had gone home, um, uh, you know, well, well before the uh, bridge even collapsed. And then, you know, when it did, he was seemingly was just like, oh, no, it was the bridge collapse all along. Exactly. Um, I think it just helps people cope. I mean, and you're right. I, yeah. I think it's one of those things. It's a coping mechanism. And like you said, you know, you want to wrap it up into into one little ball. And, and I think it's easy for people to do. Yeah. Because, you know? I mean, you want a reason why that collapse happened. Not right. just, you know, the world is full of variables and crazy shit happens. Right. Well, which really, and that's life, right? Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah, life happens. Well, the problem is, so this next little event uh, we're going to talk about, I people put this again with the Mothman. This is something that happened in history um, when it came to Flying Cryptid, and they automatically went, oh, see, this is it. But I think it's worth reading just to see kind of how humans, I know, you know, we, we take things and in, in which way we go. And this is a horrible thing to have happen, but it you know, needless to say, it did happen. Um, January 19th, 1926, the Zion Dam, located near the southeastern foothills of China, collapsed, and over 40 billion gallons of water destroyed the town below. Um, over 15,000 people were swept away and killed in their ordeal. As they tried to climb out of the damage and rebuild after the devastation, rumors began spreading like wildfire, and it really was crazy when I started researching some of this, uh, that a large black man-dragon was seen a few days earlier hovering and circling around the dam before it let loose and collapsed. Also, the locals said that not only was it seen hovering the dam, but supposedly, again, it showed itself to many of the ill-fated people there uh, before the event occurred. Other things that we humans want to kind of tack on is, you know, hey, this is, this is you know, the, the flying thing is a doomsday device. Um, there was reports in 1999 uh, two witnesses in Moscow, they saw a large and humanoid figure flying above an apartment complex just moments before it exploded and toppled. The whole structure came down. And then Chernobyl, throw that in there too. They said just before Chernobyl occurred, um, they saw um, a flying wing creature around Chernobyl. So I feel you like know. you kind of debunked that in your book a little bit though, Tobias. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that that has that did not happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's any any time I think uh, 
the limit of someone's knowledge on uh, any sort of paranormal occurrence is that they saw it somewhere like they is in quotation marks. Um, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's folklore in action. It's, you know, it's, it, it was in, in, in internet myth, basically. Um, it's that, crazy uh, how that, it gets, it's crazy how it all gets wrapped up into it. And that's why, you know, we mentioned here because exactly, I mean, look at these things floating around that people grab onto. I mean, I mean, it just absolutely blows my mind personally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely nuts. And I, you know, I, I should, uh, say now, I, I did describe it as folklore, and it is folklore, but I, I want people to understand, too, that, that folklore doesn't necessarily mean something is fake. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's false. It's literally just stuff that, you know, it's it's knowledge transferred by word of mouth. And in a lot of what we do, frankly, uh, would fall within that realm, you know. So people tell me stories of experiences they've had, um, and I relate those to, to, to other people, which is sort of that same mechanism. But at the same time, when you can't pinpoint the source of a story, like you can't point towards a person or at least somebody who knows the person because they were told it directly from them and are protecting their identity or, or something similar, then I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's it's real difficult to to take something like like that seriously. And you know what? And I'll just mention this real quick. And and again, this is just me giving you kind of a kudos on on you know how you wrote your book and the research. You're 100 percent right when you say you know because it's a campfire story, just like anything else. You know, you hear the story, it goes from this person to this person, it goes down the line. When you would hear sighting, and you worked again with the um, the other two. Uh, Phantom Monsters, I believe, and then uh, and I'm sorry, UFO, UFO Clearinghouse, UFO Clearinghouse, and and really did the due yep. diligence to say, hey, we heard this report, uh, we're going to reach out to this witness and we're going to get this report directly, where it's a direct link. There's no, you know, he said, she said type thing, and and kudos on you for doing that because I think that really takes a lot of those, a lot of that equation that we really can't, you know, focus on. It takes it out of the game. You know, where you where you literally hear the same story that was reported, this person you witness is telling the same story to you or to Lon or whatever have you. I, I just think that's very commendable, and I think that's a great way to approach it, approach any investigation, especially something like this. Yeah, I don't think you get a lot of actual research anymore. I think a lot of it is is just, oh, I saw this on the internet, and this is what I think about it. Exactly. Yeah. That is so crazy to me. I, I mean, seriously, I can't even imagine not like, okay, I, I can't imagine researching, uh, in a supposed eyewitness account of something and, and not trying to contact that, that witness or at the very least, um, you know, find if they've already been working with an investigator or something, you know, cause there's a lot of different ways that, that people come you know, to these stories. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, it never even occurred to me, even back when I was just covering this, uh, uh, journalistically in the spring of 2017, it, it never occurred to me to just like not talk to anybody about it, to just like read a story and then start speculating like that. <laughs> that was that, so counterintuitive to me, but you're absolutely right. Like there's just way too much of that. 
Well, and that's what's so hard. And that's the reason that we put these examples in here for what happened in China and for the Chernobyl thing, because, you know, you, 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 this is what we stumble across. I mean, it's really, sometimes it's hard to do research on something that has that past to it because, you know, again, that's what that is, is past. You don't know how those records were kept. You don't know what was written down. It's really hard. And, and so people that are interested in something like this, that number one is a mystery in itself, um, anything for Tian, but then you add this to it and, and this is what you stumble upon all throughout any of your threads. It's just, it's so frustrating. So being able to have accounts that are that fresh and you can go to a person and put that down in effect and figure and logic into a book, um, man, it really takes a footwork away. I'll tell you. You have a you have a quote. Uh, it's in chapter six of your book, and it's it's nice to have opinions, but declaring them to be fact without proof is disingenuous at best and fraudulent at worst. And then there's another quote. Man, I was trying to find it, and I jumped the gun here a little bit. No, it's fine. Is 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 it the uh, the the quote that I actually took from Hunt for the Skinwalker? It might be something with the science has to prove it's. Uh, I think so. Yeah, science has to prove the unexplained, rather than vice versa, the unexplained. Oh of the yeah, science yeah. Or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't have butchered a quote more. Yeah, it was. You did a pretty good job. Yeah, thank you. Science is here to <laughs> explain the or to look at the unexplained and not the unexplored. Or yeah, I don't know. Yeah, let's. Not keep trying to quote this from memory. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I thought I had it really good in my no, mind, and then it it's just basically. Flew and I'll, out. I'll paraphrase because I, I don't think I can quote it exactly, but it it, it says something to the effect that uh, the purpose of science is to investigate the unexplained, not try to explain the uninvestigated. There you that go. It nice. There it is. Nice. There it is. Yep. Nope, that's you. a quote. <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking of. Well, and you know what, Tobias, you do have some good quotes. And in fact, in the very beginning of this whole thing, we're talking about, um, you know, compartmentalization and everybody kind of doing their own thing. Um, this is one of the first ones I stumbled on. And again, uh, don't get your head too big where you can't fit out of your, your house. But, you know, you just had some, you got some great things going on here. Um, just remember, whenever you hear someone criticizing an investigation, that's when you need to be at your most skeptical and what they're saying about it because drama haunts the paranormal as much as ghosts and monsters do. And I was like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. I like, you that. know, <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. just, just well set together. So, um, we're going to take another quick break and then when we come back and, uh, John Tobias mainly, cause I know I have not read the Mothman prophecies yet. I will admit that that's horrible, horrible of me, but I haven't. Um, and I think maybe let's get into the bulk of, some of that, and then, of course, where Lake Michigan rolls into it. So um, after the break, you know, maybe we'll come back to um, to those things. I appreciate it. Stand by. Listen and find additional content at mystrangeuncles.com or wherever you get your pods. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us gain visibility. Uh, you can call us at 801-252-69... Yeah, boy. 45. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at Strange Uncles. And also Instagram and Facebook at Strange Uncles Podcast. Close the gates. And we're back. So, Tobias, um, one thing I noticed in the sightings that you reported in your book was a, an extreme lack of conjunctivitis. 
And if I remember right, uh, most of the people that saw the uh, Point Pleasant Mothman up close got pink eye, for lack of a better word. Um, did you notice that also? And, and did you make anything out of like the lack of any physical symptoms besides the supernatural fear? You know, I, I, I didn't. Now, there was one guy who had mentioned that, that he had had some sort of issue with his, with his eyes afterwards, but no, you know, I, I, I honestly didn't. I'm trying to remember back exactly to, um, what Keel had reported as far as, uh, the, the, the number of witnesses who had developed that, um, yeah, I don't think because it was no. all of them, but I think it was uh, like the kids that were making out at the uh, munitions factory at the I forget what they the call TNT that. area. The TNT. Yeah, right, right. Um, there were there were enough that it stuck with me that that seemed to be a fairly common symptom of of witnessing this thing up close. Um, I don't think it was by any means all of them, but uh, it, it just was pretty common. And I don't know, I just wondered about that. No, I mean that's that that is an, an an interesting point. You know, it it wasn't something that that I really put a lot of stock in as far as our investigation. Um, you know, I I did uh, go back and reread the the Mothman prophecies, well, uh, a couple different times. You know, over over the the course of the past few years, and again, like I remember it being in there. And, you know, that's that that was one of those things that Keel has mentioned in, uh, God, I don't know, every book he's ever written um, about, you know, people who see UFOs or or different paranormal phenomena and they get conjunctivitis. Um, Um, I don't know. You know, honestly, that hasn't been my experience as an investigator. You know, I actually started with UFOs. Um, you know, back, uh, oh God, how old am I? Probably 12 years ago. Um, I started, uh, volunteering as a, a field investigator for MUFON and, you know, I talked to a lot of UFO witnesses. Um, I didn't talk to anybody who had, you know, developed any of, any of, of those symptoms. And so, um, I, I'm not saying that that means it didn't happen, but, I can definitely say that it wasn't my experience, you know, either right. as a, a UFO investigator or, you know, looking into these these flying humanoid uh, sightings either. So I, you know, I, I guess fundamentally, I don't really know what to make of it, um, other than for whatever reason, it seemed to happen a whole lot in the '60s and well, '50s, '60s, and, and '70s, but when when Keel was most active. And, uh, and, and I don't see it a lot today. Yeah. Like, uh, in the book, you mentioned the cosmic trickster and the photograph or sorry, the phenomenon kind of, maybe it doesn't want to be photographed and that's why nobody ever thinks to whip their phone out. Right. Um, and I was just like, while you were just talking, I was thinking like, I wonder if the physical symptoms of witnessing a UFO or something like Mothman changing from when keel was doing his research to today if that's if that's the phenomenon maybe hiding maybe staying inconsistent so that it we can't figure it out i don't know uh that just occurred to me while while you were answering that question um 
I don't know. I just I I thought that was what made me think about it. Was like, do you do you think this is the same individual Mothman? Maybe that, especially with the sightings that have uh, supernatural fear, um, mm-hmm. and that most closely resemble the Point Pleasant sightings. Do you think it's like the same individual? Do you think it's maybe like a population or a group? Do you think it's just like that's my question? I'm, the I'm phenomenon and just like who is there. I mean, obviously none of us are experts and none of us know the real answer, but I was just wondering like what you think about it. Sure. So, I mean, I, I, I speculate on, on this, um, uh, because it, you know, it is a subject of, of much interest to me, of course. Um, you know, I, I, I relate a lot of these sighting reports, certainly the, the, the ones that I think are, are the most likely to, to be paranormal, I, I relate them to something that that happens sort of on the level of of consciousness because they that's where they seem to e- exist for the 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 most part at at least at least somewhat um, and so you know that that really got me thinking you know like well okay so what what would interact with us mostly on on that level this this sort of pure uh uh, uh consciousness to to consciousness sort of interaction you know and and, mm-hmm. and what would that look like and i mean i i i i struggled quite a bit frankly uh trying to to just wrap my mind around that that concept and it sort of occurred to me you know throughout history um, we've related, you know, all, all sorts of, of, uh, um, paranormal phenomena to, uh, uh, things that could exist on that level. I mean, for, for instance, uh, you know, people used to speculate that, you know, fairies were spirits of the dead. And if they weren't spirits of the dead, then maybe, uh, they were angels who weren't quite so bad that they fell all the way into hell, but weren't, you know, quite so good that they got to be in heaven. And, you know, it just, just sort of things like that. And so, you know, I, I, I really got to thinking like, okay, well, you know, what if there is this, this ecosystem of, of consciousness, frankly, you know, and, and what if we're a part of it, but, you know, not, you know, maybe not as, as, as proficient because we, we clearly have this, this physical element, you know, like we have consciousness, but of course we also have physical bodies. Right. And, um, and, and so, you know, maybe there are things out there, um, that are immaterial, frankly, like completely, uh, 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 of consciousness and maybe that's what we're interacting with. And, and, and maybe, you know, if there's, if there's one, let's say species of, of something like that out there, what's to say that there, there aren't many and, you know, to, you know, sort of in the same way that, um, you know, there are bears in the woods and there are wolves in the woods, but bears aren't wolves. You know, they, they exist in the same ecosystem. They certainly have traits in common, but they are not the same thing. And to get even weirder. So, um, you know, like, let's say that what we're dealing with is 
a species or or many species of of things that, that exist on that level of consciousness um and we're capable of of interacting with them and they with us and they're uh, uh they being more proficient at it because you know they 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 are sort of pure consciousness as it were um then i mean what would that mean for us you know people used to say that you know maybe uh uh you know, people could become fairies after they died. Well, what if people could become Mothman? You know, what what if once, you know, someone uh, uh, shuffled off their their mortal coil, as it were, and and their consciousness sort of returns into this this ecosystem of consciousness? Um, you know, maybe maybe that's where we get alien grays. Maybe maybe that's that's where we get a lot of it. I mean, who knows, really. But, um, yeah, I guess that's a really long-winded uh, way of saying I don't think Mothman is just one guy. I love that. Yeah, that uh, yeah that's very interesting. Thank you. That's cool. And actually, you know, and, and just to continue with that thought, too, when you talk about consciousness, I'm going to kind of put you on the thread here a little bit, Tobias. But sure. um, on your book, Chapter 8, I'm going to read a little bit here, and then uh, if you don't, if you would explain, that'd be awesome. Um, I am loath to explain one mystery with another, but I find nothing wrong with speculation in the name of discovery. I won't tell you that Mothman is an interdimensional being summoned to our reality by two witches on the shore of Lake Michigan during the blood moon of September 2015. But I will ask you, what if? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, what if? I When you talk about consciousness, I mean, that, you know, what if that kind of bridges that dimension and puts us together on some kind of a thought pattern with, with whatever this is. I, I don't know. You know, it just, it's amazing. But chapter eight was really kind of cool when you threw that in there. I thought that was a nice little, nice little twist to, you know, just these reported sightings that you're saying. Um, yeah, I thought that was neat. And I don't know if you want to clarify that at all, but, but I just, you know, I thought that was a cool little twist to it. Oh, sure. I mean, honestly, now I, I, I felt like I, I had to, include that frankly i mean i i i spoke to to uh this this which pretty extensively and and she was great honestly um you know very 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 forthcoming and also very humble about her experience frankly you know like she wasn't claiming any responsibility she didn't want attention or 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 fame or or you know any anything like that she really just sort of very humbly came and was like look i don't know if this is relevant but this is what we experienced. And so I, I started thinking about it, you know. And so what if, you know, in sort of this, this state of, of gnosis they had achieved while, while uh, performing this, this ritual, they, they tapped into something, you know. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people who have spent – well, and I'm sure you guys know, I mean, you literally just covered magic, but there are a lot of people who have spent a lot of time thinking about how, if magic exists, uh, how would it work? And, and I, I think probably the, the most popular modern, uh, sort of, of, of mechanism involves, uh, the, the distraction of the conscious mind uh, to allow, you know, subconscious, uh, in intent to manifest. And so right. you've got a couple of different states that, that people try, try to achieve in doing that. You've got, uh, either in 
uh, ecstatic state or a, 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 a more meditative state, like a, uh, a, a state of, of gnosis is what people are trying to achieve. And so what if in that state of gnosis, uh, these, these women were able to, to tap into this sort of ecosystem of consciousness and, uh, uh, interact with this thing or things that seemingly exists as, you know, like these, these weird archetypal manifestations, which is something else I, I, I get into, um, at some point, because I really think that fear is an important part of this, but you know, what, what if they were, were able to, to, you know, tap into this, this ecosystem of consciousness and, and see, or, or communicate through symbols with this thing quickly, you know, it, it, it seemed relevant. So well, and I think, too, that really goes into the theory that's been kicking around as of late that, um, you know, no matter what you want to classify yourself interested in or we see, whether it be, you know, cryptids, UFOs, ghosts, that they all come from the same spectrum of sort. They all come from a consciousness that somehow is derived and, and they're connected. When in before, you know, they were these separated entities that, you know, were just these weird things that, that, that happened. Um, I don't know, you know, I hear that theory often and, and it really makes me wonder, I mean, if that, you know, dimension traveling around us, above us, over us, what's that look like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think Keel really nailed it when he talks about the super spectrum too. I've, I've never heard, nothing's ever quite made that much sense to me until I read that from Keel when yeah. he talks about the super spectrum. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Josh had a question. Sorry. To yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you think fear has a lot to do with this. I wonder if you could like expand on that and uh, let us know what you think about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, ab- absolutely. So, you know, one of the the most common elements in uh, the the sightings that I, I, I think have the highest likelihood of being paranormal um, is this element of fear. And in fact, uh, sometimes people would report, you know, feeling this this overwhelming terror before they even knew that there was anything there, you know. So they would they would start by being afraid, and then look around, and then they see this this winged monster with 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 red eyes, right? And so, you know, it 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 really got me thinking because, you know, what why? Right. Like what, what it literally, what is the point of that? You know, it, it seems like the fear is being induced. It's, it's, it's something more than just a, a, a natural state of, of concern. You know, people talk about it, uh, in, in, in terms of something that's being forced on them really. And, um, it, it sticks with people, uh, in, in a, in a way that, um, seems unnatural right so, and so like the supernatural fear versus the like being startled by seeing something right. and yeah. being like whoa what the fuck is that but it's something right. you feel before you like you know something's wrong before you know why right e- exactly right and so you know it really got got me thinking like really what is the point of that you know i mean it it almost feels like the fear is the point because this thing or things, um, it's not out there hurting people. Like nobody's getting attacked or, or you know, it's, 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 it's not a horror movie. Um, yeah. 
It's, I mean, literally, it feels like the fear is the point. And so I have to, to, to consider now, I mean, again, if, if we want to go back to the sort of like ecosystem of consciousness, you know, what might something that exists in that world uh, eat, for lack of a, a, a better word, frankly, like oh. what, what might interest it, you know, because it almost, it seems like it's, it's, it's farming fear. Yeah. You know, like that's that's certainly one of the things that I've 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 come up with because fear uh, uh, again is so prevalent in so many of these reports that have seemingly no other reason to exist. Like these encounters don't make it like really don't make much sense outside of that. Honestly, yeah. Like reading the book, it it seemed like that could almost be like a differentiating attribute, like. How scared were you? Was it this type of fear or this type of fear? And then that right. also did seem to coincide with their description of what they saw. Like the people that had the more like, oh, this is weird. I'm kind of scared fear seemed more to have the sighting where it could be like a, a large bird or something like that and describe right. more bird-like. And then the people that had the supernatural fear almost exclusively were the people that saw, like you said before, on the ground, uh, distinctly humanoid with wings, you know, like red eyes. eyes. Yeah. Well, and maybe that leads to a little bit of kind of a, you know, defense mechanism on, on its side, you know, fear is something there that it instills, you know, if you're scared, you're not going to think common sense to grab that camera, grab that video recorder, grab that, you know, maybe it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a defense wall like of sorts. Like a skunk spraying? Yeah, in a way, I guess. Yeah, but, I don't know. But then skunks yeah. also stomp and warn you before they spray. Like most like animals uh, warn you before they do employ any of their defensive measures. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, I don't like know. Like a rattlesnake you know, rattles yeah. before it bites you. Yeah. yeah. That's, that is true. But then again, we're not talking about a, a snake or a skunk, but. Well, you know. I mean, if it's just a thing. True. If it's yeah. just like a depending on what it is type of animal, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just speculating. I'm just purely. We're, we're all just you know wild speculation around here. here. Wild speculation. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> well, and, and I guess that I mean, really, that is a good point. I mean, we we don't know that whatever this is is necessarily you know sapient, frankly. Um, other than uh, just assuming that something you know, that is seemingly capable of the things that this is, you know, like, I, I, I think we make that assumption, you know, like, well, this thing looks to like, looks to have these crazy magic powers. Um, so it's gotta be smarter than us. Right. Or but I, that isn't necessarily true. So yeah, who, who knows? Well, and it kind of goes back to the very beginning of this whole topic when we covered, you know, back ancient humans, you know, they tried to make sense of what's going on. We're still, try and make sense of what's going on. Again, nobody is an expert in this thing. You know, using rash judgment on trying to explain what happened, how it happened, why it's here. You know, it's weird because it's thousands of years down the lineage, we're still doing the exact same thing. We're just maybe doing a little bit more scientifically because we we have that behind us. But, but you know, it's, it's still frustrating because we're still in the dark and we're still running into that wall of sorts, you know? Did you ever come to like a conclusion about the, the phenomenon not wanting to be photographed or is that just kind of an observation of it? It does definitely seem like the trickster element of it does kind of make you forget to pull out your phone or make you so scared that 
you pull out your phone and take a picture with the prevalence of like closed closed circuit TV and there's a camera right. everywhere and everyone always oh. having a hard time getting anything. Like, I mean, did you ever reach a conclusion on that or is it just one of the things that's interesting about all this? Um, boy, I, I haven't reached conclusions on much, frankly. Um, you know, and I, 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 I try to make that pretty clear in the, the, the book too, you know, uh, even what I'm talking about right now, uh, with, with new information, uh, I am always happy to amend my, uh, uh, thoughts or opinions or, or anything else. Cause that's really like, that's the only way to, to, to go about this stuff. But as, as far as the, uh, uh, photographs are concerned, um, you know, that was just something that, that I had considered. Now it, it could be, um, you know, just sort of a, 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 a loosely associated phenomenon, you know? So, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's perfectly understandable if someone is terrified that maybe they, they don't get their, their phone out in time. And so, uh, maybe that's intentional on this thing's, uh, part. Maybe it's not, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, but it certainly seemed like there was a level of manipulation going on, that would certainly allow for that as a possibility. I mean, the, 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 the other, actually the exact opposite of that, um, is I think a good example of the potential, uh, manipulation that, that, that was happening. So now we talk a lot about, you know, the, the, the photographs that, that people didn't take, but, you know, also like there, there were photographs that, that people did take. Yeah. And, and they all ended up being, uh, well, it, to my satisfaction anyway, um, they all ended up being explained as, as something not uh, 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 necessarily fantastic. Um, you know, nothing, not, not, nothing supernatural or, or, or paranormal, except there's something that, that still bothers me. You know, so many of these, these, witnesses now even the 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 uh daytime witnesses so people who uh are the most likely to have actually seen and and misidentified a a large bird you know and 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 most of those were probably like great blue herons and now even them they were consistent in what they would report without necessarily having knowledge of this investigation. So people would get a hold of us and, and they would report seeing uh, either like a giant bat or a man in a wingsuit was a, 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 uh, a popular one or, you know, a flying humanoid. And it was almost certainly a misidentified large bird, but they all misidentified it in the same way. So much so that in, I believe it was May of 2018, we had this witness who was bicycling to work through the, the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago. And he had this GoPro camera on his bicycle helmet and he sees this couple pointing at something up in the sky. And he looks up and he sees what he described as either a giant bat or a man in a wingsuit. And so he sees this thing and he decides that he's going to follow it around because it's crazy that it's just flying around, you know, in the, the, the afternoon. 
and he's going to film as much of it as he can on on his his GoPro camera, and he does, and he sends us this footage. He, he was very open about it, and um, and I I you know I talked to him myself. I looked at his footage. Uh, we we got some some stills of it, and it was a damn bird. But this guy, <laughs> I'm 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 telling you though, he was sincere. He was relating his experience to me authentically. He absolutely was. He thought he saw a giant bat or you know flying humanoid thing. He really did. And so that's so funny. I, yeah, well, it, it was. It's just so baffling. Because then I, I'm like, I'm just left to consider why were all of these people misidentifying uh, these large migratory birds in the same way? And if it's just that for whatever reason, people seem to think, you know, things like great blue herons look like giant bats. Why weren't they misidentifying them as giant bats before? Well, Okay, so let me throw my two cents out there. I think a lot of it, and, and again, agree, disagree type thing, but uh, can a lot of it be, I mean, we are, Jesus, we're surrounded by media. We, you know, we, we have screens in front of us all the time, travel channels, nothing. It's not even travel. I don't know who travels on travel channel unless they're going to see Bigfoot or they're going to go see a ghost house or whatever. <laughs> you know, we, it's just absolutely, it surrounds us. So you have people that, and yes, we're interested. This is what, what makes us this is our, our wheelhouse of sorts, but there's still skepticism. There's still, we're going to, we're going to try to bunk it before we believe in it. But how sure. many millions of people out there don't do that? And so they're surrounded by this. That's, don't you think that fuels that fire of what they see a lot of times? I now, yes. And, and I, I would think that absolutely. Um, if in, well, unless, most of these people were were lying to me. Um, I always asked, and I know Lon and, and and Manuel asked too, if they were familiar with these sightings. And and these and they would say no. They would say no. Uh, I hadn't heard of them before my sighting. You know, it was it was afterwards where uh, you know I was telling somebody about what I had seen, or I stumbled across in in an article sometime later and went, hey, holy crap. Somebody, you know, somebody else has actually seen something similar. So now I feel comfortable enough to report this. Um, so if I had evidence that these people had been exposed to these sightings prior to their sighting, then yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is such a thing as being primed for a specific experience. But right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, people... People were, were, were telling us uh, that they were not aware prior to their sighting. So I, it's, it just seems weird. Yeah, well, the, and this, this is just, I'm sitting here kind of hearing this, and I'm, I'm thinking, this is purely me speculating, but there's always a trickster element in a lot of, in a lot of these cases or in UFO cases or you know Mothman or whatever. What if these people are actually kind of seeing, quote-unquote, Mothman, while they're on their bike riding through Chicago and what they're seeing and what they take a picture of ends up being kind of two different things a little bit. Ah, like a cloaking device. Something like when they take a picture of what they're, what they're taking a picture of, what they're seeing, it turns out to be a, a, you know, a great blue heron or, you know, one of those other large migratory birds. But it's like, well, I didn't exactly see that. 
which I don't know if that's the case. That could be completely off basis, but I was just sitting here sure. thinking about that. Well, we don't know what these things are anyway. So, I mean, this could be, I mean, God, God knows, yeah. you know, I, yeah, crazy. Well, I think there's, there's, there's two, two distinct possibilities there. If, if, if you're going down that particular thought exercise and believe me, I have, <laughs> and it's, it's either that the whatever this thing is is somehow manipulating the image to look like a bird or it's manipulating the person to see a giant bat or flying humanoid or something i would go with that one right only there. a bird there yeah, yeah. Uh, i i don't know i'm i'm inclined to believe because of that that interaction of consciousness that that um i i suspect that so much of this might might uh, might might work through, that it's more likely that it's it would be people being manipulated than it is necessarily camera, you yeah. know, uh, uh, equipment or or images or anything. Um, and then of course I have to ask myself why. And I mean, I, that it, leads you again, down another so rabbit hole. I was just yeah, about to say, yeah. then you fall even further down the rabbit <laughs> You're hole. You're even different. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so I was like, well, uh, would it do that to try to discredit this investigation by going, oh, well, look, it's all just birds, people. Like, if you see, you know, a Mothman <laughs> or, you know, a, yeah. a winged monster flying around, it's just birds. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, it's almost had the opposite effect where, um, you know, some of those sightings like like were reported enough where it just garnered more attention. So if like if it was trying to cover something up or, or sort of lay low, uh, it feels like just not doing anything would have been the, the, the best way to go about it. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, we're pushing on time a little bit here, but I mean, I, I first of all, yeah, I mean, this is all I love this. I just the banter back and forth because I don't think those of us who love this thing enough do that enough. They already have their mind made up. They're already in that pigeonhole. They don't have that open mindedness. Um, I, I personally, you know, well, all of us, Tobias on our side, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, we're, our minds open to anything. I mean, it could be one belief system, then it could shift to another one. Um, you know, so wrapping up the cryptids, you know, other things other than the Mothman, you know, we, there's uh, the bat squatch, which is out there. There's, uh, you know, uh, women type creatures with wings that have been seen in Mexico. I mean, it, it kind of the list goes on and on. And, and like your book covers too, a lot of them are very, very recent. Um, so there's something to be said about that, but I think my question for you is, I, I guess, I mean, what's next? You know, you say there's still reports. You said what you had 10 other reports or sightings, you know, after you published the book, um, what, what's your prediction for where this is going? Um, well, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's going anywhere, frankly, you know, it, it, it feels like something that has been around for a, a very long time. Um, and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, I guess anybody sort of anxiously waiting for a, a, a tidy conclusion is probably going to be waiting of, of, a very long time. I, I, I think that we're just now really starting to see the real breadth of this mystery. And, um, and it's, I don't know, like it, I, frankly, it's, it's just, it's, it's very difficult to say, uh, where I think this is going, but 
I can tell you this. I I I don't think it's going anywhere as far as um, these sightings. Like we they 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 keep coming in, and uh, the longer this goes on, the more uh, sort of historical sightings we 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 get. So uh, the the uh, map that that we're sort of generating, like it's uh, it it it's spreading out geographically. It's it's also spreading out uh, temporally. Um, and it's 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 showing us a, a much larger phenomenon than I than I, I I think I suspected before I I started doing this. Well, first of all, thank you so much for just you and your time because I know this is nothing but time. I mean, to write the book, to do the research, to have the love for this. Uh, again, folks, you know, the Lake Michigan Mothman, High Strangers in the Midwest, is uh, Tobias Whalen's new book. Um, Tobias, do you have any other promos or anything you want to plug on your side? Oh boy, sure. So if you are interested in the Singular Fortean Society and uh, you want to know more about what we do, uh, please visit us at uh, singularfortean.com. You can also find us on all of the social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, we're on everything. Um, and if you're interested in being a part of what we do, uh, I do encourage you to look into our uh, Patreon. Uh, it's at patreon.com slash singular. Fantastic. And so you've heard our promos out there. Um, One thing we don't have on the old promos is a Patreon. We also have one. um, So you can find us at patreon.com slash strange uncles. Again, I'm I'm a Patreon member for for you guys. And and so far, what I'm seeing for uh, your society is great. You know, everything you're offering. And you got a podcast out there, too, that you're doing, which I'm enjoying. I listened to the last episode. Um, I think, I think it's fantastic. Um, we don't really have a lot of time to go into it. I think next episode we will, but we actually have, uh, the privilege of also belonging to a network called fourth hand network. We just actually got welcomed into it. Um, it's a network of other podcasts that, uh, kind of shares the same, I guess, weirdness that we share. Um, so it's kind of cool, kind of humbling and kind of neat to be part of. Um, John, Josh, you guys got anything on your side? Uh, what's coming out next for bonus content on the Patreon? Is So we do have, hopefully we got recordings from Emma that might follow up. And then we also have some uh, UFO, Utah UFO Festival bonus footage coming out, uh, along with some tidbits. So awesome. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, and like I said, just thank you so much for coming on the show, Tobias. And yeah. the cover of your book, I've been meaning to say it since we started. Oh, it's um, awesome. Your oh, wife, awesome. your wife Emily did it, and it's terrifying and amazing. And if I saw whatever oh, she nailed it. Whatever I if I ever saw whatever's yeah. on the cover of this book, um yeah. I, I want a tattoo. I'd be of that I'd be because heading, that's awesome. I'd be heading the other way real fast. But yeah, <laughs> such a cool cover. She she killed it on that. That was awesome. But yeah, that's, that's yeah, all I have I'm, on my I'm very lucky to 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 have her, frankly, because yeah, yeah she does amazing work. She's yeah. a, she's a keeper. So Tobias, <laughs> man, thank you so much for your time. I know this is a little bit more than just an interview, but just having you on here to talk through some of the history and what it is, and obviously, you know, the Mothman in general. Um, just man, oh, thanks for it. your time. Yeah. Thanks for your time, and and like yeah, I said, thanks for having me on here. This is this is great. I I'm already looking forward to next time. That's fantastic. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. Um, so hopefully we don't go under before then, <clears throat> and we will go forth. So, <laughs> <laughs> Tobias, thank you. And if you want to hang on the line real quick, we'll close up the show and then uh, just stand sure. by and we'll go from there. Uh, listeners, thank you very much for enjoying it. Hopefully you like it as much as we did. I think it was fantastic. And we are going to close the gates. Close the gates.